Okay. Today's reading is Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. It can be found on page 1081 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, uh, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The word of the Lord. All right, can you, can you hear me? Okay. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we, the last song we sang, we were invited to, to have these words on our lips uh, that say, whatever my God ordains is right. And whether, as we sit here today, whether we um, were comforted by those words, or whether we, we had to stop singing because we, we, we can't honestly sing that because of the challenges or the circumstances or suffering in our lives or in the world. And that forced us to go to kind of a very real place. Whatever the case may be, we sit here with different stories and we come to make this space uh, that's used for so many different things throughout the week and now for just a, an hour it turns into a space where your people gather and rehearse the story of grace. And as we come, we come from different ungracious experiences and expressions of our lives. And the truth is we're all more of a mess, more broken than we care to admit. And our spirituality is more dwarfed and immature than we want other people to know. And yet the story we, we meet every week tells us that we are more loved and accepted as your children than we ever imagined. That your grace moves towards 
immature humans and moves towards broken, angry, discouraged, lonely lives. You move even towards just dramatic failures with your grace because we don't climb our way to you. You've come down in Jesus to take on all the mess and the failure. Let that grace now make its way into our own lives and the places we need it most. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not very common anymore to hear people talking about maturity um, or to say to someone, oh, there, you know, you know Bob, he's so immature. Um, it just, I, I think we're, we're in a time, and I would guess that um, it used to not be that way. This isn't any sort of research I've done, but I just would guess that maturity as a culture the word maturity, or talking about whether someone's mature or immature, I would guess that was more common to talk about and more acceptable to use. But I think we sensed that if we began slinging that word around, uh, quite quickly we would have to apply that word and use it to describe some of the things in our culture that we um, love most. <laughs> and I think so we're very, you know, right? So. Um, so we don't throw that word around very much. In fact, I verified this very quickly, very you know, informally by doing a, a, a Google search to look for articles about immaturity and uh, an Amazon book search for books on maturity or immaturity, and I found almost nothing except for things related to our finances, um, you know, whether something's maturing or not. Except I found this one thing, a bright spot in all of this, is this psychologist from California, somewhere in California, his name is Mark Golston, and this is on Psychology Today, and he has something called, it is perfectly constructed for us this morning, it's called the California Maturity Index. And you can take this quick test and you can get a score that tells you where you are on the California Maturity Index. So the idea is that Californians, of all, everyone in our culture, Californians have the, these most you know, aggressive, immature things going on in our way of life. Let me just give you a sample, and this one's actually in your worship guide, of, of if you score really low, this is what it tells you about yourself. You are highly immature. It's nearly impossible for you to delay gratification and is impossible for you to willingly and calmly accept full responsibility for consequences of your impulsive actions. You tend to be a hostile, hostile, belligerent blamer. So I'm, I'm going to call somebody that this week. That's something I'm going <laughs> to... A hostile, belligerent blamer. That's going to be my goal this week. You are a hostile, belligerent blamer and grudge holder. If left unchecked, dun, 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 you run the risk of feeling bitter at the end of your life. California Maturity Index. Thank you very much. What's that? <laughs> yes, yes. I think I know where you're going with that one. And then, so if you think about where we're at as a culture, then, um, and you think about what kinds of things we should probably associate with maturity, I think that probably with our digital age, there's all new challenges to how we're being shaped and how we're, or maybe how we're being limited in maturity. When you think about the fact that we're getting so used to having you know, instant downloads of anything we want to know or have at our disposal, we're getting used to, you know, what's that really fast shipping called? Prime Now. 
know, we're getting, we can get our stuff and our information right now. Wonder how, wonder how that's doing on helping us with the, the age-old virtue of patience, right, that we always look at mature people as having. Combine all of the digital age kind of stuff with the fact that we have just the, the, the big bending arc of our culture is individualistic, right? That, so we're always kind of going this way where it's more about me, it's more about what I want. We even, you'll notice, you know, as you go through the various stages of your life, whether you're just going off to college or you're having your first baby or entering retirement um, or getting to the end of life, you, you know, people are telling you to craft that phase of your life in your own unique way. You know, a, a parent going into parenthood for the first time feels like they, they can just go to Amazon or the library and stack up all the books and in, sort of invent their own program of parenting all by themselves. We've got a kind of, you know, uh, me, myself, and I culture thing that's always been going on. And so we got to consider the fact that maybe we're producing people that end up just viewing their neighbors um, and their family and people in significant relationships in their lives as people who really are just going to end up impeding the speedy attainment of my desires and my wants and the crafting of my life the way I want it. And that's what I would call immaturity. Mark Holland Maturity Index. That's immaturity. And that kind of relationship immaturity is problematic for followers of Jesus, the people who begin to be called the church. And this passage talks about in that wonderful phrase, the very rich phrase that is talked about of, of people who follow Jesus, the body of Christ. Because it, it, it's an utter inability, um, if we follow kind of a cultural bent, right, um, if you're tracking with me, it leads to sort of this utter inability to, to look for unity, to look for connected, meaningful, deep, dependable connection in relationships. And the kind of traits, character traits that you'll need for that, which are listed right away in this passage, when it talks about being completely humble and gentle. These are things that relate to relationships. This isn't just you in a corner being a good person. Completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. That's a quick maturity list in our culture, I think, just kind of drives us far away from that. But, you know, I'm so glad we don't have any of that here at City Life Church, right? I'm supposed to laugh a little harder at that. <laughs> Aren't you glad that hasn't made it into this building and into this community of people? Actually, it has, and so let's have a little bit of fun with this. I'm going to have you, as I sometimes do, I have you say something to your neighbor. I'd like you to say something to someone nearby you. I'd like you to look to someone and say, you're so immature. <laughs> Will you please just do that? Just for, let's have fun. Come on, we're all immature. Just say it to someone. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. And then... And then I would like you to say back to the person, I know you are, but what am I? Exactly. All right? I know you are, but what am I? Karen, you nailed it. That's exactly what I was going to say. 
Right. You're so immature. I know you are, but what am I? Uh, I feel like that's, that's good. That's a gold joke right there. So we have to consider the possibility that, 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 that what we just did there, that that is actually true, that that is actually where we stand. Not only is it true that we're immature, but we're, our very response to someone saying that is going to prove it if we're honest with ourselves. We are so steeped in, possibly in this kind of context, in an individualistic gospel. Um, good news for me that creates uh, almost, in, in, uh, almost a, an incredible distance between us and the maturity that's described in this passage. And so we have to consider that and then listen to this passage. And as we do, I'll just say that I think God has timed this really well. God has really good timing. Can I get an amen? And I think that's true of this passage because what's going on as I kind of come out of the clouds of a break from ministry for a month and a lot of travel and I come back, I realize, wow, we have this passage before us and then we have many things on the city life calendar that this, that are like an answer, a kind of go-to next step list for all of us as we consider what this means for our church. So I'll get to those things, but let's hear first what every Christian needs to hear and do business with if we desire to be on this maturity track, okay? There's three quick things that we can spot in this text very briefly. There's a call, there's a treasure, and there's a community. These are the things we need to hear if we want to be on this maturity track. First of all, the call. And by going into that right away, I don't know if you caught the statement. It's pretty strong. It says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Um, and then it comes up again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Calling, calling, calling. We are called. And when you're called, you don't call yourself. I don't ever call myself on the telephone. Um, and, and yet that's kind of what we imagine the Christian faith to be like. Like it's our invention. It's my choice. It's my, what I'm deserving or earning for myself. And it, Christianity just doesn't work that way. Christianity is not a, a journey of your choice. It's not a journey of your, what you deserve and what you're earning. And spiritual maturity automatically begins to arrive, actually, as soon as we step away from those things. As soon as you accept that God's idea is the driving force. That there's a call, and that comes from God, and God's got ideas for your life, and as soon as you begin, even just a tiny bit, begin to allow for the possibility that your best ideas for your life come, come at least a little bit behind God's best ideas, as soon, as soon as you begin to wonder about that, the maturity adventure begins. As soon as you step away from your own ideas about the journey you're on, as soon as you step away from what I think is really, really our culture's way of doing spirituality, spirituality, which is, you know, making a personally crafted, artisan, small batch spirituality, <laughs> and stepping away from that and saying the big God with the plan for all. 
um, has it better. You see this going on in this passage as we get towards the end of what, what was read here by Judy, the verses 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're all driving at, there's a bigger thing that you're, you know, when grace, when God's grace connects with you that you're drawn into. So there's God's building things. All these words were in there. Build, attain, mature, grow up, build up. All these words that suggest movement, progression, and God's behind it. This is a, God's plan with the church, God's plan with you. And so if you begin to be a little bit curious that your best ideas are incomplete and, and God's are going to surprise you and yet be way better for your maturity, if you begin to do that, then you'll begin to be curious about, well, what's going on with this person in my life? Why is there this opportunity in my life? Why is there um, this hardship or this opportunity or this suffering? Because God has the bigger plan. So, and another thing you'll say is, what about this community? You'll say, what about this community that I'm placed in? And what's next with that? And that's the second part. Or no, actually, no, that's the third part. The second part is treasure. So I skipped ahead a little bit there. Call. Listen to a call. That's part of maturity. And then thinking about treasure. Now, you, you say, if you're a real student of this passage, you might say, Where, what are you talking about, Mark? I don't see that. But when it talks at the beginning about living a life worthy of the calling you have received. I just want to play with that a little bit and think about those words. A life worthy of the calling. And I, I'm going to guess that usually when we think of a phrase like that, we're going to think about, um, you know, like say there's a Supreme Court judge that's just been like nominated or some, you know, big position like that that's, a, that's like a judge or a fairness police kind of person. And when someone's, you know, they're, they're nominated and they, they have this new position, you probably say, like, well, now that's a high calling. You know, I sure hope you're going to stop jaywalking now. Um, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like now live up, live worthy of this high calling, right? Um, and I'm going to guess we, we look at this and we say, oh, well, you're a Christian now, you know, you got to step up your game. You got to kind of deserve the level of what uh, you're being called here. And I want to suggest that perhaps when it says live a life worthy of the calling you have received, I want to suggest that that word worthy um, connects a little more with worth and value. And so we're talking about living in a way that reflects that you have this treasure and this value in your life. Kind of like you'd say to someone, or you might say to someone, uh, you know, I don't know if you, people still say this, but I, you know, I'm sitting on a gold mine. You know, someone, that, that figure of speech. If you imagine, you know, you you are sitting on a gold mine, or you discover that the land that you own um, has uh, oil underneath it, or uh, gold underneath it, or you, um, you, know, you suddenly realize that that casual purchase of a lottery ticket is actually the winning ticket. There's a certain um, expression of action that follows all of those things. There's a way you could act that just does not reflect the truth of what's going on there, you know, hey, there's, there's oil under this ground, you know, I'm rich, whatever, you know, you, you, know, you, you call Exxon or whoever you call when you want to cash in on the oil underneath you. That's a silly example, I know. But, um, or you, you, know, you, you, you see this ticket and it's got the winning numbers on it and you flip it over and you call that number on the back. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's what you do. There's some way of like following up. You, know? you go on a date with somebody and you walk away going, this is a one in a million person. 
I'm, this is like all the things plus 10 more added up into the person I'm looking for. And you don't go home and just kind of, well, okay. go on with life. You actually, no, you call the person and you get that second date set up, right? When you're, and that's the idea is that there's, there's just kind of actions that fit and behavior that fits um, what you have going on in your life, the treasure that you have. Your response is going to be quick and aggressive and joy-filled to make sure that the treasure is connected to your life and that you're going to be living from that treasure from then on. And we often get content and complacent, and we might say in our relationship spiritually, well, you know, I'm just kind of going to see... Uh, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow here and see if God seems real or not. And, um, and that's sort of reflective of either not catching a glimpse yet of how amazing the treasure is or, or seeing it, but you know, just sort of some kind of spiritual immaturity where you don't realize that if you want that in your life, you don't want to miss a, a second of having that treasure of God's love in your life. And so you want to have it securely close. You want to be drawing from it constantly. And so immaturity, you know, along those lines, if we look at the passage this way, is basically just choosing not to arrange your life at all to be close to the, what, what Scripture talks about and the songs we've sung and the things we've said talk about as kind of the, the sweet comfort or the, the bread of life. And if you're close to that bread of life, if you're eating that bread of life, you'll never be hungry, you'll never thirst, you know. That's maturity. Less and less leaving things to chance, but saying, no, I'm going to grab hold of this. I want this. I want to be living from this. I want to be healthy. I want my life to benefit from the treasure I'm connected to. That's maturity. The third thing that this passage drives at, and this is really the main course of this passage. This is the punchline. If you skip this point, you've actually really missed this passage. You haven't heard it. And that is togetherness or community. There's a call, there's treasure, but there's community. And you notice the passage starts off and it begins talking about one, one this, one that, one this, one that. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Not to mention the mentions of unity all over the place and the mentions of all. You get a picture that maturity in God's plan, the maturity in the life of someone who's caught a glimpse of the treasure is a maturity that draws together with the others who have found that treasure. It has to begin, and that's where, that's where you saw those words I mentioned early on, they become so important, cultivating humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Those are, that's the toolbox of the Christian who's maturely seeking unity. Um, one pastor that has mentored me has a, has a phrase that I love to steal every once in a while. You've probably heard me say it if you've been around a while. He talks about having a crap detector. Um, and so, you know, as a Christian, you have a crap detector about the spiritual things going on around you. One of the things that I'd, I'd like to say is a great chance to apply your crap detector is when you hear someone painting disunity with a spiritualized brush your crap detector ready, right? When you hear someone say, I've, you, this, is, this is what you'll hear. You'll hear someone say, I've been praying about this, 
and then there's the second half of the sentence, right? And that's the part where my, the, the alarms start going off because it's usually, it's something like, um, and I need to leave my spouse. I've been praying about this and I need to leave my neighborhood. I've been praying about this and I need to um, cut off these people in my life because they're toxic. I've been praying about this and I need to um, go find another church. I'm not saying this because I you know, think a couple of you might be right at that point where you're going to leave our church. <laughs> I'm just saying that because this is, uh, you know, this, is, this is just cultural. This is how we are. This is what we do. My, my craft detector goes off, and of course, I could nuance a little bit, and I probably should to say there are times where there's spiritual abuse or physical abuse, and there are times not to be a doormat <laughs> in, in to, to spiritualize that, right? To spiritualize abuse. Um, so there's that part, but I think today the message is also the maturity part, community. So how's City Life Church doing? How's City Life Church doing on the maturity scale as the body of Christ? I think that there's, you know, there's the body of Christ and there's sort of like, uh, you might say, the mannequin of Christ. And I say that because if, if unity doesn't have some tangible flesh and blood expression. It's not really there. If tough connectedness that takes hard work isn't happening in a church or in a Christian's life, then it's not, then there's, there's not the maturity that seeks unity. You can begin to ask questions about, is the gospel really alive in my life or in this church if it's not there? So is it the, are you the body of Christ or are you the mannequin of Christ? Unity, unity in community can't be theoretical. It can't just be theological. And oh yeah, I believe in that, but um, you know, all these examples in my life are just me kind of splitting off and going over here and being all by myself. And so Back to what I mentioned kind of early on. There's a bunch of things perfectly timed, lined up. Let me describe a couple of them. Not a couple, more than a couple. There's community pods, small groups that meet. There's a Tuesday one, a Wednesday one. The Wednesday one's new. And Leah is leading it. Leah's right here. And you can talk to her if you want to connect with that group. Start to build spiritual friendships. Start to take the conversation each week to the next stage. So this week in, in pods, you might... You might be there for a discussion that has these questions um, that the pod leaders already have for discussion this week. And they're very simple, but they follow up on the passage this week. The questions are, where does your church need to grow towards maturity? What gifts has God given to enable this to take place? What challenges and and what cunning tricks and false teaching do you need to watch out for? And how can you combat it? So those are questions. Those are wise questions to discuss together. Another thing that's happening, very simple, today and several other days this month, Sundays this month, a hangout right after the service, eat lunch, make a connection, do something, right, is the point related to this maturity. The deacon team we already talked about. This Saturday it's a training. If you have something that in any way is needed by others and needed by, sometimes we get folks who they haven't even visited yet. They're just calling and they're desperate and they have a need. And we, you know, we try to wisely find, you know, how can we help and what's too, too much. And we're trying to figure out, 
when helping hurts and you know, kind of how to help in the right ways that actually really help. And that's the kind of stuff we'll be discussing on Saturday with the help of someone more experienced than us. So um, do you, can you make it onto a deacon team? Because you just have maybe one small thing. Maybe it's a, a language you can speak. Maybe it's a skill you have that every once in a while you'd love to just come in and offer this gift or skill to help the kinds of needs that are in this city. And if you wonder, I wonder if it might be this, then the answer is yes. Come, come and tell us so that we at least know what's going on in this church and what gifts we have. So that's what it means to be on the deacon team. And then I, I would also say um, another tangible way is helping with the kids' ministry. Please, we actually need more teachers. So do you want to teach once a month and help build connections with children? September 9, Sunday school hour starts for adults. We're going to start talking about the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a thing we'll be preaching on starting the week before. So it's just kind of we'll discuss what's already been talked about the week before. It's about growing in faith with other people. I know there's a lot of interest, but that'll be happening before the service on September 9. And then September 23 is the next installment, right after church on that Sunday, of our diversity dialogue, the ongoing journey that we're on to seek embodying at least a little bit more the vision that God portrays in Revelation 7 of a um, multi-ethnic, all languages, all tongues, all peoples, all nations, kind of a church that we're all headed towards and that we'll sing songs with someday. And we want to make sure we're leaning into that vision already. September 23, come to that. That's exactly what I wanted to happen because I'm done. And uh, so thank you back there, and we're going to pray. Will you pray with me, please? Our culture is telling us to find what fits into our plan and what meets my expectations and what gets me where I was wanting to go. And help us to begin to be curious about what is a bigger call that is starting to show itself in my life? What are the things and the circumstances, the places and the people where I'm going to have to sort out my lack of humility my lack of patience, my lack of togetherness, my lack of gentleness. And may you be with us as we consider taking steps of spiritual friendships, being vulnerable with other people, praying together, and knowing people well enough in our community of faith to be able to offer ourselves for their lives and for some of their needs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.